We're reading from the uh, writings of Zach this morning. (laughs) Zachariah. (laughs) And I told Zach that we were going to read from his writings this morning, and he was wondering what I was talking about. So, uh, but it's the book of Zechariah, chapter 4, reading verses 1 through 10. And of course, uh, we're much more familiar with uh, verse 6 in the King James, and I will read that in the, uh, after we finish this. But the message, excuse me, the messenger angel, the messenger angel, again called me to attention. It was like being awakened out of a deep sleep. He said, what do you see? I answered, I see a lampstand of solid gold with a bowl on top, seven lamps, each with seven spouts, are set on the bowl, and there are two olive trees, one on either side of the bowl. Then I asked the messenger angel, what does this mean, sir? The messenger messenger angel said, can't you tell? No, sir, I said. Then he said, this is God's message to Zerubbabel. You can't force these things. They only come about through my spirit, says God of the angel armies. So, big mountain, who do you think you are? Next to Zerubbabel, you're nothing but a molehill. He'll proceed to set the cornerstone in place, accompanied by cheers. Yes, yes, do it. After that, the word of God came to me. Zerubbabel started, Zerubbabel started rebuilding this temple, and he will complete it. That will be your confirmation that God of the angel armies sent me to you. Does anyone dare despise this day of small beginnings? They'll change their tune when they see Zerubbabel setting the last stone in place. And verse 6 in the King James is, This is the word of the Lord unto Zerubbabel, saying, Not by might, (laughs) not by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. We're very familiar with that one. And that's statement of scripture was also a chorus that we sang years ago uh, not by might nor by power but by my spirit saith the lord now as we read that it's you know it's kind of like okay what's what's going on in this context here what's going on in this scriptures well today's message has kind of an a and a b uh, two parts the first of course is the the what we've just read of how that god worked in the old testament to declare his word to his people and to declare how that he was going to work through his prophet and through Zerubbabel to rebuild the temple in Jerusalem and to rebuild Jerusalem. And the second part of our message is about how God works in the New Testament to bring his word to his people, us, and how that God is going to build his temple, you and I, um, as we grow in our relationship with Christ. So Zechariah is a prophet uh, to this time period, and was his, his message was to proclaim the message of God, the Word of God, to the people. And, and the message of the Word of God, you know, he points out sin, points out failures in people's lives, but also there is a promise with that sin, with that uh, pointing out, and, and his ministry was to this remnant of people of, uh, in Jerusalem 
that they had returned from Babylon. You know, remember, they've been taken to Babylon because of their sins. The Babylonian Empire had conquered Jerusalem. They had been in um, Babylon for 70 years, and they were now returning. And while they had been back in Jerusalem now maybe 20 years, and, you know, that was the time in which Daniel was in the lion's den and things like that in, in, um, in Babylon. And, you know, those books written at that time. But Zechariah is writing now to this small remnant. Um, I'm not quite sure how many thousands of people have returned from Babylon. And they have returned to Jerusalem to rebuild it. Now, what had happened was the um, people who had returned... Uh, brought with them from, you know, brought the king, uh, the Medes and the Persians, uh, King Cyrus, um, had given permission for the people to leave Babylon and return to Jerusalem to rebuild their temple. And they had brought wood and things like that for the temple. And they were all gung-ho. They were going back to Jerusalem and we're going to rebuild the temple and rebuild Jerusalem. Well, when they got there, got back to Jerusalem, it was bigger than it was a bigger task than what they had ever imagined. There were no motels and hotels, no towns, no places for them to live. So you've got to take care of yourself, right? You've got to build your own house before you can build something else. So they build their own house. But they used the wood and stuff they were going to build the temple with to build their own houses. <laughs> so, and after they used up all the materials that they had brought back with them to build their own houses, they didn't have anything else to, you know, they didn't have any uh, other materials to build the temple. And, you know, they were just kind of living in a, the city of Jerusalem and there, no, there were no walls. And they didn't have, you know, the corner grocery store wasn't open and gone out of business, and they had to take care of their business, they had to take care of their, you know, their everyday needs, and there were some people that had stayed in, in the area and uh, that were not taken captive, and, well, they wouldn't associate with them because they were considered, in the New Testament, we know them as Samaritans. The Samaritans were people, they wouldn't go through Samaritans. Samaritans were people, Jewish people, who had, weren't taken captive to Babylon, and they had intermarried with the Gentiles, and so they couldn't, you, we, you couldn't touch those people, and so they had, the, the people were just in the city of Jerusalem, and they were trying to make a living and trying to get things going, and so there were very, there were entrepreneurs, and there were people who were um, just kind of everyday people returning to Jerusalem, and what happened was they didn't have any food to eat, so the people who had lent to those who didn't, and those who couldn't repay, they took their families and sold them as slaves, and there was a whole, it didn't turn out very well. <laughs> and so this was all good intentions, and they come back to Jerusalem, and everything's a mess. Nothing was going as progress. Nothing, had go nothing was going according to plan because they had this high hopes of returning to Jerusalem, rebuild the city, rebuild the temple, let the glory of God flow, and everything will be great. <laughs> uh, well, it wasn't going on. So Zechariah, God appoints him, Zach, to be the prophet. <laughs> and Zach's going to be the prophet of God. And God has set him aside 
and he has these visions. He has these revelations that come to him about what's going to happen. And this verse that we have here, this chapter that we read, read here in chapter 4, Zechariah is telling about the messenger. And who's he talking about? He's talking about Jesus, really. The, um, what's he called? What's he called here? He is called the angel messenger. Where's, where's that at? What is he? Messenger angel, again, came to me, uh, called me to attention. The messenger angel. So the messenger angel comes to Zechariah, and he gives him, and there's a number of times that this angel messenger shows up to Zechariah and gives him a vision. And gives him a vision of what's going on. And Zechariah then begins to minister to the people in Jerusalem. The people who had returned, and everything wasn't going the way that they had planned. And Zechariah is appointed by God, and God shows up to tell Zechariah to tell the people, tell the king what's going on. So he begins to minister to this small remnant of, of Jews who had returned to, to Judah to rebuild the temple and the nation. But they weren't being successful. They had become complacent. They had become overwhelmed by the task. Okay, we're going to, you know, I, I'm, I'm sorry that I, I, I'm not sorry, but I think of David in El Salvador, okay? Um, here you go into a community, and here is a community that there's no education, very little education. If there is education, it's only there because of the missionaries who have gone there and started schools. We used to, oh, we still do, we still support the Latin American child care. I don't know if you remember that. But that was started so that children could have education. Well, if there's education in a rural community, it only came by through the, through the missions and through the, through the assemblies and maybe some other um, um, organizations. So you go into this rural community, there's no education, there are no jobs, and um, there's no organizations except maybe a gang and maybe a church. And people just exist. Okay, that's it. So let's go to this community and let's change the community. Let's make them, help them so that they can help themselves. Where do you begin? Where do you begin? How do you help people help themselves? Well, we go in with ideas. Guess what? It doesn't work. Because they're your ideas, not theirs. And people have been trying to do this for a couple hundred years. Go and help people by telling them what they need to do. And, guess, and it didn't work. So what David has done in his group, they go and they live there with these people for six months. They go every week and live there. Some of them, they stay there for a week at a time, six months at a time, weeks at a time, but every week they're there and they meet with these individuals and they meet with the church. And what they do then is find out what the people feel is their need. And then 
they begin to tell them, help them to meet that need. How that they can help meet their own need and how that they can do that. Well, Zechariah is doing this. He is there with the people and God is helping him understand what the needs of the people are and how that they can accomplish this monumental task of rebuilding the city. Now, here we are going into this city, going into Jerusalem. The walls are all torn down. The city, the, the, the temple has been totally destroyed, not one stone left upon another. And there's this magnificent, mag, most beautiful temple, gold uh, lampstands and gold uh, fixtures. And the, the angel messenger says and gives the vision of a gold lampstand with olive trees and everything. It's, it's talking about an endless supply of oil coming to the lampstands. They don't have any of this. But yet, Zechariah has this vision. This angel messenger gives this declaration. And his message went far beyond just for them meeting the, uh, building the temple. In Zechariah chapter 9, I, I, I didn't give this to Jose to, to read, but Zechariah chapter 9, verses 9 and 10 I wonder if this sounds familiar. Rejoice greatly, O daughters of Zion. Shout, daughters of Jerusalem. See your king comes to you righteous and having salvation, gentle and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. <laughs> I will take away the chariots from Ephraim and the war horses from Jerusalem, and the battle bow will be broken. He will proclaim peace to the nations. His rule will extend from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. Zechariah, in that vision, sees the coming of Jesus riding in his triumphal entry into Jerusalem. And he also sees beyond that to the new Jerusalem in which Jesus is ruling over the entire earth. Zechariah is a man who has, has this relationship with God in which the angel messenger proclaims a message to him to give to the people. And the message that he gives to the people gives them hope to accomplish an impossible task. Hmm. <laughs> so this is Zechariah, this is the same Zechariah who, who wrote about Jesus coming into Jerusalem on a donkey on the triumphal entry of, of Jesus. So, Zechariah has this stirring message of hope. Their king was coming. And so, why, why do we need to build the temple? Why do we need to get all this ready? Your king is going to come, and he's going to come riding a donkey, and he's going to come triumphantly riding into Jerusalem. You need to get the temple built, fellas. <laughs> you need to build the city, fellas, because our king is coming. And this was some 500 years, uh, 700 years, 500 years, before the coming of Christ. And Zechariah is writing about it. And so he has this vision here in chapter 4 concerning the rebuilding of Jerusalem. He has a message of hope. 
And he brings it to the people in a discouraging time in which they are not capable, do not feel capable of building or doing the task that is before them. But remember, God has a plan. God has a purpose. And Zechariah is delivering the message. So he's, he talks about this lampstand, this gold lampstand. Well, they didn't have any gold. They didn't have any wealth. And the, the trees, the, I mean, the place was, the, the, the olive trees and all that, they were basically destroyed or uh, under somebody else's rule because what happened in Jerusalem, it was a city without walls. So the neighboring Samaritans and others, they would just raid they would come in and they would raid the city. They would take people captive. They would take whatever wealth they had and they would, you know, steal it and ride off. So the people were just kind of felt taken advantage of. They were, how can I say it, um, violated. As soon as they got started, somebody came and destroyed it. No matter what they did, it wouldn't work. So, they were kind of frustrated, discouraged. And not only were they discouraged, what they had, they used upon themselves, they consumed it, and they had nothing left. It's almost like the poor in Africa and other places where they would send them grain to um, plant in the fields. Well, they were so hungry that they ate the grain they were supposed to plant. What's the use of planting crops if we're not alive to eat them. So they would eat the grain. And when we would send grain to these, you know, the United States would send grain to these countries, we would treat the seeds so that they would be resistant to blight and droughts and, you know, things like that. Well, <laughs> I remember when we would plant seeds, you know, corn and stuff like that, it would always have like a pink coating or a red coating on it and it was, it was, you know, it wasn't to eat, it was to plant. Well, these people didn't know that. They just ate it. And they got sick and died from the seed that they were supposed to plant. And they couldn't, they couldn't plant it because they were starving. Where, do you, where does the cycle stop? See, in our own lives, where does the cycle stop? Where does the cycle stop of the things that we feel like we should do, should become, and don't do, and we get frustrated in the whole concept of what's going on, and, you know, and we come to church, you see, the, the value of coming here and the value of the Word of God is to encourage us and to find that God is going to do a work in our life, and it's going to be greater, and so it's the angel messenger, the Word of God that comes into our life that gives us a different perspective. Because if we don't have a different perspective, where is it going to come from? Is it going to come from our government? Is it going to come from some inspired leader? <laughs> and what is his inspiration? If the word of God is not our inspiration, where do we become inspired? Where does it come from? Is it self-made? No, it is God. We must be inspired by the word of God. Verse 6. Not by might, Not by my own strength, power, and understanding. Zechariah tells the people, you can't look at this as if you're going to do it alone. 
You can't look at rebuilding the temple and rebuilding the city as if you're going to do it alone. It's not going to happen. It's not by might. It's not by power. It's by my spirit, says the Lord. And that's verse 6. And read on. What are you, O mighty mountain? What is the mighty mountain? The mountain of inspiring and, and, and accomplishing this, this feat of, of uh, building the temple and building the wall. This mighty mountain before Zerubbabel. You will become level ground. This task that is beyond your ability, that seems like a mighty mountain, will become a molehill. Why? God is going to bring his spirit and help you see, discover ways to make this mountain a molehill. How that God by his spirit is going to make this happen. Then the word of the Lord came to me. The hands of Zerubbabel have laid the foundation of this temple. His hands will also complete it. Your hands have started it and your hands will complete it. And that is going to prove to you that I am the author of inspiration to this project. Okay? We find that God is saying to us that it's not by might nor by power. So the world sees accomplishments as coming about through tough, strong, unbending, harsh, judgmental, (laughs) get it done. That's where the world sees leadership at. God says, you got to have your talents. You've got to have your abilities and your strength. But that's not all that you depend upon. You've got to have, you know. (laughs) Zach, since you're the author, I thought I'd ask you. (laughs) I'm putting Zach on the spot today. Why do you go to school? Did you ever ask your mom that, Dad? <laughs> Why do I have to go to school? You know, what am I going to use all this stuff for? You know? Jan, has he ever asked that? Why do I have to go to school? You know? And you'll get the same answer I got. Because you need to. <laughs> and you're going to go because you have to. And, you know, and, and you go to college, don't worry, it's worse. You know, you spend two or three years taking classes that you'll never use (laughs) until you get to the point where you declare your major and then you'll get into the work that you want to have and that will will be there for you. And I'll pick on David again. David did the uh, four-year program in six years. (laughs) He didn't do a six-year program in four years. He did a four-year program in six years, you know. And, and, and I, I, I got, you know, it's like, David, you have to do, you have to finish. Oh, yeah, uh-huh. I said, where are you, David? So I'm in Colorado. What are you doing there? I'm skiing. I said, don't you have classes? Oh, yeah, but it's okay, Dad. It's like, no, it isn't. You know? And finally got to the point, you have to declare a major. I don't know what I want to do. I said, pick your two best classes. Pick your two best classes. So, biblical studies and art. Now, what on earth are you going to do with that major? Biblical studies and art, double major. When he made up his mind, 
found Jenny, <laughs> his wife, soon to be wife. He did his classes, and the professors were going to nominate him for some award. And then the professor says, I checked into your studies. He said, you didn't show up until this last year and a half. <laughs> but exactly what he needed to be a missionary in El Salvador to work with in Lasse was art, photography, and biblical studies, writing about God and making the application. God has a way of bringing us to a point that he has a plan. Now, our plans often find ways of why on earth am I doing this? Why on earth am I doing that? You've got to have something here in our head, something in our heart, something to do with our hands. We've got to have abilities. God will inspire those abilities. God will inspire what you're taking in college. You may never use it, but it's, you have to go through this to get to where you need to be. And you don't need to go to college to do this. You can, whatever it is, if God has led you there, God will provide for you, whether it's in college or whether it's in your workforce, whether it's dealing with uh, you know, the auto industry or delivering or teaching or you know, working in the hospital <laughs> or working in a doctor's office or whatever it is, we're looking at this and we say, this is a task. <laughs> you know, it's just, nah, it's, you know, there's no oomph to it anymore. There's no, there's, God said, don't, and it says in, in, in uh, the scriptures here, and I believe it's in the King James Version, it says, don't despise small beginnings. Don't despise small beginnings. Don't despise the ordinary, the everyday, the things that are just, hum, housewife, mother. <laughs> taking, don't despise the small things that you would consider small. Because we're doing it, we sometimes think of it as small. Why? Because I'm doing it, it has to be small. It doesn't matter what it is. The Bible says it's not by might. How am I going to make this? <laughs> I'm going to make it. And it takes determination, but it also takes an inspiration. There's a reason behind this. You know... If we don't feel that there's a reason, it becomes a turmoil. <laughs> it becomes labor. It becomes ordinary. And, you know, the ordinary is only made extraordinary by the extra. <laughs> ordinary becomes extraordinary with the extra. Not by might, nor by power, by my spirit. That's the extra that works in the ordinary. And this is what we look at here, and the, the second part of the, of the message was in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. That we are a new creation in Christ Jesus. Yes, there is a struggle. There is a struggle. I am a new creation, but guess what? I still struggle 
with what? The old nature. We might wonder why we so often do not live in the manner described by this particular verse. We have given our lives to Christ. We are sure of our salvation. There is a new nature, and it is residing in an old, fleshy body where there is a war between the new and the old. And until you die, till we die, that war is going to go on. But the old fleshy nature, <laughs> this part of us, it's, a, it's an old nature that wars with a new nature. And the old nature is, I've done this a thousand times before and it hasn't been any good since, why am I going to do it again? Do it again until you do it right. I don't want to do it right. I want to quit. <laughs> I don't want to. I don't want to build this temple. I don't want to build this wall. It is an impossible task. Every time I get started, these people from the outside come raiding in. They take and tear down everything that we build, and we're left in ruin. I've done it a hundred times. What's going to change? Not by might, not by power, but by my spirit. And it was the Spirit that brings in the difference, that brings in the hope, that tells us there is something to this. There's a purpose to this. You can't see it yet. <laughs> yeah, that's just some preacher talking up there. <laughs> that's just some old person trying to get us inspired to go to school. Right, Zach? <laughs> As some old person who's bald and well beyond his ears trying to tell me how to live my life and go to school and, and learn something from people who don't know what they're talking about. <laughs> you know, they say the same thing every week and I just get tired of it and what good is it and, you know, and they want me to <sighs> Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. God has a way of speaking to our heart. And that's the Spirit. The Spirit gives life. The Spirit gives life. The law restricts. You're going to do this, and you're going to make it happen. I'm going to do it, and I'm going to do it again, and I'm going to keep building until I build it, until, I can't be, until it can't be broken down. And you see, what happened in Jerusalem was there was this guy called Jeremiah who comes along with Zechariah. And the two of them, Jeremiah shows up and he says, you know what? You people, everywhere that you live, you're going to build the wall by your house. Because when you build the wall by your house, if you don't build it strong enough, it's going to be the weak part of the wall. And the raiders are going to come in and they're going to get your family first. So everybody's going to build the wall, and Jeremiah ended up building the wall in, in a remarkable short period of time. They had worked at it and failed at it and worked at it and failed at it and worked at it and failed at it. And, and, and Zechariah comes along and says, not by might, but not by power, but by my spirit. Spirit's going to inspire you. We're going to have the right leadership. Leadership is inspirational. We're going to have the right direction. It's inspirational. We're going to have hope. It's inspirational. God is going to inspire our hearts, our actions, 
our actions are going to take on a new direction and it may be the same old action, but it's going to have a different result. And what did they do? Through the Spirit and through the guidance of doing, they built a wall. They built a temple. They built a city. And some 500 years later, Jesus rode in on a donkey. These people didn't see it. They only heard this guy talk about it. Well, this same guy spoke about something in our future when Jesus is going to come again. And people say, well, did you ever see two mountains? You know, the first and the second one. And you're off in a distance and you see them and they look like they're together. But when you get to one, you find out that there's a, the other one is way off. That's what happened with Zechariah when he sees Jesus riding on a donkey and Jesus ruling over the entire earth. To Zechariah in that vision, they were both almost the same, but they are separated by time at the birth and death of Christ in 30 A.D. and in our future, where Jesus is going to rule and reign forever. Zechariah saw them both. <laughs> he spoke of them both. The same spirit that spoke to Zechariah is the same spirit that came on Pentecost, is the same spirit that inspires us as we take communion. It's not by might. <laughs> it's not by power. Our own mental genius God uses them, but he inspires them. That makes a difference. So as you face your difficulties, whether it's in school, I always had difficulties there. <laughs> whether it's, no, I, I did, didn't, you know. Certain things I was very smart at. Other things I won't talk about. <laughs> there are certain tasks. When I was at the farm, when I lived on the farm, there were never enough hours in the day. There was always more jobs to do than we had time to do. And the, you, know, you could work from sunup to sundown and still not be done because there was still more. And, you know, sometimes we work and we work and we work and we don't get anywhere. So it's not by might. It's not by power. It's by my spirit. God has a way of taking, inspiring Teaching, leading, whatever your obstacle is, pray about it. We're not telling God about something he doesn't know. We're speaking to God about what is in our heart, and then we're allowing him to inspire us on how to do it. The God of the angel army spoke to Zechariah. The same God speaks to us. Not by might, not by power, by my spirit. And stand. <laughs> we thank you, Father, for inspiring our hearts and for the inspiration of your word, but the inspiration of your spirit that gives us life. Whatever our tasks, whatever we do for a living, 
whatever we do in service to others and to you and to ourselves. God, I pray your spirit will inspire us, empower us, give us life, that it's not just the drudgery of the same old thing, and it doesn't seem to go anywhere like building a wall and people come in and knock it down. But that, God, that you will inspire us, that we will build according to your divine plan. And, Lord, that you will work in us by your divine plan. You will inspire our hearts by your divine plan. And, God, we have hope that is beyond the hope that we see in our own minds, in our own understanding. It is a hope of eternity. It is the Spirit of God who speaks these truths into our hearts. And we will forever be changed. And our future will be changed. Our future is preparing. We are preparing our future today by your Spirit. Thank you, God, for giving us the strength, the wisdom, and the understanding to go forward, to do the task at hand, not by might, nor by power, but by your Spirit. All who believe this, say amen. amen. That wasn't very loud. or it didn't, it wasn't, That was kind of like I built the wall, it's going to be torn down again. Everybody who believes this, say amen. 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 So be it. <laughs>